Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. I'm here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And Elliot. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jesse. Hello, hello. And we're going to talk to you guys today about training camp. I'm even wearing my favorite training camp hoodie to get me in the mood. So before we dive in too deep, I want to just kind of lay out kind of little uh, identify what a training camp is. So I would identify a training camp for our purposes for some time where you're spending doing some higher, maybe more intense training. And we'll call it like three days to 14 days, just to nail down like a, a time frame in which we're talking about. So we're not talking about like a long training block or anything else. We're talking about maybe a destination or a staycation where you're spending three days to two weeks, really focusing on training. It could be like training high intensity, or it could be getting in a bunch of volume. It could be learning a lot about triathlon, but your focus during that time is triathloning. <laughs> Definitely a word. My very first training camp was over a decade ago. It was with Elliot and that's me. We, and I, I maybe was almost fast enough to keep up with you then. Yeah. We were doing a lot of hard training and we went to St. George to do some, some course recon before St. George had its first Ironman. And uh, Elliot lasted about two days and then he trained himself into such a hole. He had to like sleep for the next three days. So Elliot, do you want to, do you want to talk to us about, about that experience? I honestly can like, I didn't know that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Did I, is that really what happened? Yeah, we were there for like a week or something. And like two days in, you had to spend two days in bed because you went from zero to 60 and just started doing all the training we were doing. And then you had to like sleep for two days and then rallied for like the end of the camp. Oh, I thought I had an ear infection. I'm ruining this podcast. <laughs> I, I must've just blacked out in my head. I just remembered the final day where we rode like 120 miles. And as per usual, this, the wind was insane. And, uh, we all kind of limped in, in in pieces. I just remember staring at Hoffman's wheel for like six straight hours and crying intermittently. Um, I can't. Uh, yeah, I remember you beat me to the gas station. And when I got there, you were huddled over a bag of um, M&M trail mix, just shoving it in your mouth, just like in the corner. And yeah. I, okay. So the, the genesis of that story is you guys were both training in were you in Tucson or Durango? It doesn't matter. No, we were in Durango, but yeah, we were, we, were, we were training decently hard going in. So we had a good base fitness. Yeah. So you guys were, uh, it was, I believe it was your first year as a pro and, and Ben's maybe third or fourth year as a pro, you were getting ready for Ironman St. George. You guys were doing appropriate training because you're being coached by me. And I was doing pretty haphazard training in Montana. And, um, I came in and I probably rode your guys' wheel, ran the same paces as you swam with you for two or three days and completely self-combusted, um, almost died. And, and I do remember the sleeping part. I remember sleeping on the floor and doing, and basically not getting everything I could have out of the camp. In my defense, I was there as a coach, not as an athlete, but if I was there as an athlete, I would have given myself probably a D minus on execution. At least I tried hard, so I didn't get an F. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't get much out of that as an athlete, as a coach, I got a bunch out of it. Cause I got to see you guys in really challenging situations. 
Um, but as an athlete, no, I, I got nothing out of it. it. It was a great example of, of what not to do when people come together from different backgrounds. I think it's pretty easy to, to jump in and overdo it. If, especially if you're kind of the, for lack of a better word, weaker link trying to keep up, but that's a, that's a good example of how to not get the most out of your training camp. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so maybe let's flip it on its head and, and try and make this positive. Um, let's say you have a camp coming up. What's the best way to get the most out of it? Well, in that scenario, if you're looking at me as the athlete who's in over their head, you'd tone things down a bit. You'd, you'd find a way to maybe shorten the ride. If you're going to try to ride with your buddies, maybe they're riding 120 miles. Maybe you just ride 90 with them. Those extra 30 miles really add up over the course of a handful of days. Um, you find a way, or maybe you just actually go out there and maybe you only run the first 25% of the run with them, chat with them and then go off and run your own pace. Maybe you don't do the full swim set. There's a whole bunch of ways that you can kind of be with the group, but not do quite as much as who's ever there, especially if that person's about to win an Ironman. You might not be up to it if you've been working at a desk. Um, but yeah, I think those are a few ways. Marilyn, I know you've been in a ton of situations where you've gotten into a camp with extremely fast people. Um, and yeah. sometimes, yeah, so... I, I, the, my very first camp actually was in 1999. I went to a um, cycling camp in Penticton with Dan Prue. That was a really long time ago. And I've been doing some kind of a camp literally every single year since 1999. I see a lot of value in camps. Um, and then I've been hosting and running camps. I mean, we, our Tucson camp, this had been you know, now that COVID has put a little spanner in this streak, but, you know, last year was 13 years in a row of having a week long camp with, um, you know, 15 to 30 athletes to, to coach and train and run camps. And, you know, we did all the Boulder camps and um, I've done everything as extreme from as, you know, 14 day Epic camp where it was across the entire islands of New Zealand. And um, as, as, Calm, I guess, if you wanted to say I was opposite of the extreme as a three day camp that was an indoor camp and it was very educational and and focused more on, you know, a winter type preparation and an education type camp. So done everything in between as an athlete and as a coach and someone who runs camps for sure. And, um, you know, my my approach of how I went to camps and what how I got the most out of them and the advice I give different types of athletes who come to camps there's a big variety and range there as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this topic today for sure. So um, I think my own personal approach with camps every single time was, this is a focused, almost a little opposite of what you're saying. It was a very focused period of time to train and an opportunity to step up around people that you might not otherwise get to train with. Like oftentimes you're coming from a place where you don't have that many training partners or maybe, um, you know, it, for me back then, I lived in, in Calgary and, you know, was indoors all the time and then going outdoors, those kinds of things. And I always, I always went for the A group. I always stepped up and was like, I'm going to go with from day one, the fastest piece people I possibly can and, and just push myself because this was a focused period of time that I could really invest in just seeing what my new limits are. Now that was how I, I approached camps and we can kind of dive into maybe more of the specifics of all of that, but I certainly like what you were saying, 
Elliot, I've, I've given people the advice of, hey, this is going to be a long week for you. This is a big week for you. Let's pace yourself. You know, if you want to start in, let's say we have A, B, and C group. A is the fastest. C is, you know, a little bit more conservative. We'll say um, start start in the C group. And as the week goes on, if you want to build up and move up, then then we can go from there. I always say make getting the volume your, your goal and sort of limit your intensity. That would be the first my first piece of advice with that um gauge your gauge the intensity but make the volume your goal yeah i always think the the first rule of a big camp is walk away in one piece right and so like that's what jesse was bringing up like i i I believe i i drove myself directly to uh the walking clinic on my return home because like i had an ear infection and was like screaming to finish the 12-hour drive by myself because my head hurt so much um, so I failed, right? Like that's, that, that's number one. Can you walk away in one piece? Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation. That's definitely the advice I give my athletes is so I always say to them, if it takes you longer than five days to a week of active recovery to get over your camp. And that doesn't mean like sitting on the couch and doing nothing or, but you know, easy training easy training, you've probably overdone it. And now the amount of work that you put in and the amount of rest, like say you do a week long training camp and you have to take two, three weeks off afterwards or you get injured or you get sick, then you're probably gonna have lost the benefits of that camp anyway. So it's it's really important, like you say, <clears throat> for most of my athletes, I like them to be fit enough to come in that they can really boost things up for that week, but then it only takes them maybe three days to really recover from it. And then they're back to their normal training. And that's where we see the biggest fitness gains from camps. Um, and that's like set up for the most success. Um, let's, let's uh, yeah, let's focus on that for a second. What, what are the benefits if people are like kind of trying to decide if they should do a camp, what are the benefits of spending, you know, do, doing a training camp? What do you see as the, the big takeaways people can get out of it if they do it correctly? Yes. Horizons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to share a bit of a story of, you know, my experience way back is I, when I went to Epic camp the first time, so I had been, you know, as a new triathlete, new pro. I'm going to butt in Epic camp is the only camp that can use the word Epic because it's well known that you guys did legitimately insane Insane. volumes of training for two straight weeks in very remote and cool locations. And for me, pretty high intensity, because at that time I was the only female. So you got to think I'm keeping up with guys who are also professionals and, you know, it's like Cameron Brown, Klaus Bjorling, Bjorn Anderson. Not, Not just professionals, professionals who are winning. Yeah. And so I was a female. So mine was not only high volume, but it was also very high intensity and it was over for me. Might not have been for them. Um, And so I sort of like just to throw like, you know, we we can give advice to people of like what to do as we go through this podcast and like to set up the perfect success for them. But I'm just going to share this like little story. And so I went from basically training in Calgary, Canada, um, indoors hundred percent of the time in the winter, maybe my biggest week ever was like a 12 hour week. And I went straight into Epic camp and, um, you know, that was, yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 45 hours of training a week at like very high intensity. And I 
I did. I got sick halfway through. I mean, we stopped. I had like, you know, riding with uh, Buckley's cough syrup in my back pocket. And, you know, afterwards I was completely destroyed and like hit all these new levels of fatigue. I just didn't even think were possible. Um, could tell probably a whole podcast of stories of that. However, where I'm going with this is once I did go home and recover, that's what, you know, a month, I can't remember what the exact time frame was, but, you know, a small period of time afterwards, I went and won an Ironman. So is there value we're talking about the dangers and pushing to that level, of course, and you have to be very careful about who you would put in those kinds of environments and scenarios. But is there a lesson to be learned from? That was very extreme. And I pushed myself, yeah, to like illness and the recovery from that took a long time. However, what I did get out of it is I lifted myself from basically the acceleration of learning curve and development went just like full throttle and I won an Ironman right afterwards. So, so is there value in that for some athletes? So there's like the, the medium, there's the safe, there's the safety role, there's the medium, there's the extreme and which one of those do, do benefit different types of athletes and how do we make those decisions and how do we set that up? I guess is sort of the main point of why I'm telling this story. I think that story is inspirational. Uh, like, honestly, it sounds like I was getting sick to my stomach. You having you describe it all. Um, and I've been in similar situations, um, you know, essentially where I, I didn't walk away from the camp, not just the one Jesse's talking about, but many more. And then eventually a couple of weeks later, I didn't win an Ironman, but like won the local big race. And that was unexpected. Um, but I think more times than not, people in that situation get so tired that their training long-term is derailed or more, even more dangerous is they get actually injured, right? Stress fractures are a real thing. And the kind of camp that you put yourself through is, is how you, if you want to brew stress fractures, stress fractures in like a, in a factory, you have them do those kind of camps. And I think we really need to keep that in mind. So if you're going to put yourself in that situation, you better not just be durable. You have to be like the most durable of the durable. And then there's still going to be times in those big camps where you have to turn that giant run into a hike, you know, on the last day or two, or maybe you just avoid any really intense running or super, super far running um, in the back stages of the camp when you're more fatigued. I think that's run health is, is the main thing you need to watch out for. Now, outside of that, if you're just riding, like the expanded horizons are like finding new things out about yourself. I think you, what you probably, the, the thing you could talk about for hours and hours is like how you view yourself as a person and what you're capable of. Right. Or am I putting words in your mouth? No, I think change perspective is probably the number one thing that people benefit out of camps that I, when I yeah. tell that story and when I watch my athletes come to like our big camp, the first time is change perspective might be they're suddenly surrounded by athletes that are at a new level that they that inspire them or they never even thought imaginable or they do something within that camp they're the, that that they're different forever based on that experience because their perspective has changed and so i i think you're spot on on awesome so it sounds like there there are some huge like mental benefits in in expanding how you view yourself and your own capabilities as well as a giant fitness bump that you guys are talking about like that appearing by winning races, but also just into the training when you get back to it, right? You're, you're kind of a new athlete when you come out of a big camp like that. And 
it sounds like Elliot, what you were saying is, is maybe if you're going to do a big camp or a, a focused camp doing, having it be other, something other than a run focus is, is a pretty good idea so that you're not trying to pack a bunch of high mileage running in a short amount of time. Exactly. Yeah. To injury. Yeah. I mean, the first camp I ever did, I think it was my senior year of high school over winter break. Me and I got my buddies to come sleep in my basement. Um, which was a hard concrete floor with a 13 inch black and white TV. We were the, we were having a lot of fun. Anyways, the whole point of the camp was I was trying to run 60 miles in three days. And for background up until four months before that, I'd never run over five miles like, (laughs) right. Um, and so I was running three times a day, uh, for the three days and was exhausted and just eating food all the time. Um, but like that was because I was 17, I got away with it and was fine and got a huge bump out of it. But if I didn't weigh 112 pounds, like there's so many different ways I would have broken myself. I would never suggest that to anybody now. Um, and so generally speaking, swim volume and bike volume are the easiest ways to do a camp where you can really get a lot out of it for triathlon and not hurt yourself. Yeah. And honestly, with the, with that, when I talk about, you know, just that one example of, of, at the camp that I went through, that was the primary focus. I mean, we rode, you know, they're big, big, big bike days and we swam, you know, every day and they were big swims, but the, the running, honestly, you get so tired in some, a situation like that. There is, I mean, intensity has gone just cause you don't have a choice. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would, but it was being willing to, to run, learn to run every day that tired that benefited the most. I gained a new perspective of, okay, this, 50 minute jog at 14 minute mile pace, you know, I, I, it was like people would, I would think like, am I getting anything out of this? And what I learned was, is I learned how to run regardless of feeling really, really tired, but there was no injury risk at that pace. Um, and there was no choice, but to go that slow. Cause you were so tired. So, so there's sort of, you know, and what you're saying there, unless you're a runner who's going to a specific run camp, um, definitely as triathletes, making it swim, swim volume focused and bike mostly for most people, what they need the most is, is a bike volume. Cause if all of a sudden we have no work and we have no kids and no family and all that, what's the most time consuming that we never get to do when we're in our normal environment is ride your bike a lot. Right. And so if you're, if you're going to make a decision based on what's the three of the best to set up and focus on, um, you know, making a bike heavy camp is probably your best bang for your buck for sure. And I would say, that probably even stands, even if you're the strongest at riding, as long as your swim is pretty competent. If you feel competent in your swim, if your swim is at any sort of beginner level, or you feel like you regularly lose races because of your swim or like lose whatever position you're trying to get because of the swim, then I think there's a lot of value in spending a bunch of time swimming, like really upping your swim frequency and upping your swim volume. But short of that situation, most people don't recognize people run fast, not because they're fast runners. They run fast because they're pretty good runners who aren't tired after swimming and biking. And, and I think if it's a half Ironman or it's an Ironman, never lose sight of that fact. And don't joke yourself. You may only have, you know, 11, 12 hours to train a week. That's fine. Um, but you repping out insanely fast 800s on the track doesn't mean you're going to run a fast 5K, 10K half marathon. It just means you're pretty fast at running for your limited time. 
And ultimately you're probably gonna be too tired after swimming and biking to do those paces anyway. So like you need that endurance on the, on the bike um, and it will show through for the entire. And I think kind of what you're saying is a good place to build that aerobic fitness or get that endurance is by doing a bike focus at something like a camp. Like that's a good way to kind of level up your cycling or level up the aerobic capacity and then it'll carry over the rest of the year. Yeah. Kind of like, like what, um, Marilyn, I was just gonna say kind of like what Marilyn talked about at a previous podcast about doing like the January run challenge where you kind of bump up that run and then it, it, sorry, December run challenge. And it lasts throughout the year. Like if you do a 10 day cycling camp where you ride a ton, that, that chunk of time riding is going to, is going to carry you and level you up for the entire year potentially. And, and can really help, you know, help, help your endurance forever. Yeah. And that was, uh, I, I have, we were talking about websites before we got on, I have a website and there's a link to this video on YouTube. Um, the Giro discovery camp, um, was a giant science project put on by the university of Montana. And I was a subject and we rode 2000 miles in three days or whatever. The point is one of the key pieces of research that came out of this month long science project is that 10 days of massive volume of cycling produced an insane jump in aerobic fitness. And it was just, and, and then we did, we did 20 days or we did 21 days or whatever it was. And there was another jump from 10 to 20, but that jump was really small. So like you can get, if you only have nine days or eight days or seven days to do a bunch of volume, you're going to get a long lasting effect and science has shown that to be true. Like Jesse's saying the level up, like it's not just made up. Like, it's not like, Oh, one week is magic. <laughs> it like, it's a real thing. Right. Um, so if you're just, if normally your long rides three hours and then you go ride three and a half hours for seven days, you're going to get a long lasting effect. Um, and it'd be worth your time. And probably if, if you choose the right spot, it'll be really fun. Totally. I mean, I remember even, even just helping out with, <laughs> even just helping out with Maryland's camp, that it was the, uh, the highest cycling volume that I rode all year and in a week. And I was doing that alongside people that are, you know, working nine to fives every day. And I wasn't so that for them, it was, I'm sure a huge, a huge bump that they got out of that camp. So it was, that was cool to see. And and I mean, I, I imagine it must be given that, like I said, like I came close to that a couple other weeks, but that was the highest week of, of riding volume for me all year. Yeah. The biggest thing that I noticed when with, with our um, Tucson camps with, you know, year after year, it's, it's been so cool to have 13 years of watching people come to a week long camp and, and it's a high mileage camp. It's a, you know, we actually monitor who's allowed to come to the camp or not because you know, you, you need to be able to handle a certain amount of training to even, to even do the rides that we do and back it up day after day. And, you know, that's a long period of time to watch a lot of different people come into town and push themselves for a week. And probably the most common theme is watching people go through the highs and the lows of figuring out how to handle that kind of volume. And then they go home and recover and what that does for them for the rest of the year. I mean, it really sets up their race season. Well, you know, they, they're able to, you know, go home, recover, then get back into their normal training. And they're at this whole new level, whether it be mentally and definitely physically to be able to, you know, get after their spring, their spring, you know, specific work and go into a race and, and have that base under them. So it's, it's pretty cool. And it's across the board, you know, from people who are terrified when they get there, cause it's their first camp ever. And 
they barely grovel home on the last day on that, you know, on the last day on the long ride or, you know, the people who are really experienced, they still all go through the same highs and lows. And um, that's pretty, that's pretty cool to watch people develop that way. Awesome. Yeah. And what do you, what do you think about timing? Like if, if you were going to have the perfect amount of time between say camp and an A race, do you think, yeah, do you have a, a window of time that you'd say makes the most sense if people are setting up their own camps? Um, I would say the minimum is like from when your camp ends to the race is probably two weeks is probably the minimum. And then the, it, it, you probably want to do one that ends two, three, four weeks out from your race, or you want to do one that's further than three months from your race. I think a lot of that chunk in between is great. And if you're going to do a camp, it's probably just a tuned up race week. And you maybe aren't going to do something that's more extreme where you're going to do the camp recover and then race or you're setting one up where it's more like early season bike miles. And then it changes your perspective on how your rides go. Like all of a sudden your, your five minute intervals just don't feel long when you've done a ton of four hour rides. Um, so I think it would be my, my personal thought is it'd be further than three months from your a race or right in that two, three, four weeks from your a race. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Cause right off the top, it's, a, I, it's cool for you to go first. Cause the, the, um, the immediate that I was thinking in my mind and the pattern that I've seen with my athletes over the years that do like our February camp, and then they go into a spring event, mm -hmm. the best performances typically are right around that six week mark actually. Um, cause they get to go home. And I, I think it's highly dependent on how quickly people recover from the camp. So if you've got, but almost everybody takes a, at least a week, if they're doing something that's like going to really push them for, uh, say they do a seven day camp. I'm no, I notice it takes at least, you know, seven days for them to really, really recover from it and shed the fatigue. And then we do like a three week training block where it's focused on the race taper and then go. Um, that's been my experience. Like I say, with the, with a February camp that we host and some people might take them up to 10 days to shed, shed that fatigue, uh, from camp where they're able to, to notice it. And some people it's five days, like the more experienced athletes who come in a little bit more years under their legs and durable, but it's almost like that sweet spot always ends up being right around six weeks. Obviously there's lots of wiggle room there. And by even doing it, like you say, it benefits, you know, three months later, four months later, six months, that kind of thing. But if I was looking for a perfect sweet spot, go and do a huge camp for seven days. Um, I, for me, I've noticed a pattern of about six weeks afterwards. I don't know what you've noticed, Jesse. Generally, I like the, the four to six weeks or greater for a camp, because I think that I, I generally think about those kind of big bike miles you might do early season that helps propel you through the rest of the year. So you definitely want to have a good chunk of time after that to get some specificity in before you start, you know, thinking about racing, having that, that four to six weeks between that camp and the race to, to really focus on the race, I think can be important. But I also have seen it done the other way, kind of like Elliot was talking about where you're two weeks out and you do almost like a race specific camp where you're doing a lot of like brick workouts and things that are focused on a specific race. But yeah, my, my general answer would be that, that four to six <coughs> weeks or even longer than that out from your race so that you can really just, you know, focus on, on say like aerobic training and not race specific stuff. And you have enough time after the camp to get race ready. 
Yeah, and I, I think the the real answer is a lot more nuanced because like Marilyn has her camp, she has it dialed in and she's working with her athletes and she works with her athletes in a specific way. And I work with my athletes in a specific way. And like how you set up the camp, a couple tweaks in the actual layout of the camp really changes how what the camp is most useful for, right? And so if you're doing a camp that's going to sure. end two weeks out, you're either making sure you're super well-developed aerobically and you're doing the final big volume because you already know you can hit the speed, right? And you're just going to do some massive rides, swim bikes, and runs, or you're going to do these insane race-specific efforts that you're then, you're, you know, you're probably going to do four of them, three or four of them, and then you're going to rest and then you're going to race. So that would be what you do close to the race. Whereas further out from the race, from my perspective, you're just doing large, large, large volume. And you, in that case, from my point of view, you wouldn't have time to then like recover, hit your race paces and then go right in, which is the, the genesis of my answer. But like Marilyn's camp is specific to how her athletes came into it. Right. And so like, of course, she's going to see success because she's putting on the camp, but she's also coaching them before and after. And she knows what she's doing. So I guess the real answer is you can do it any way. But if you aren't working in conjunction with some basic rules of science or, your, you know, your coach, it, you can shoot yourself in the foot no matter when you do it. And you can make it successful no matter when you do it. Right. I guess that, I mean, like, that's yeah, my defense I, of my own answer. But like, I totally see why you guys said your answer the way you did especially with the control that you guys have over the, the camp itself. Because a couple tweaks, you know, in how the, the long ride goes or the intensity of the long ride goes totally changes where you want it to be from the race itself. Yeah, and I think defining like, okay, you know, you, you know what you're going to a camp for as an athlete. So, um, you know, is it going to be a, a race specific type camp or is it a high volume camp? You know, like you, when you sign up, say you're not being coached by the person putting on the camp. Say you're like, Oh, I saw this, I saw this camp on the internet and I want to just go to it to learn new things and meet new people, do enough research that you really understand what the schedule looks like and what, you know, you know, the type of athletes that are going to be there and how that's going to work for you. And, and so, you know, suddenly, you know, okay, I've got a, I've got a, my first half Ironman in two weeks and this increased my volume by, you know, over 50%, you know, have an understanding of what the type of camp that is that you're going to when you, when you look for them or you sign them up, or are you just doing a camp with, with your coach that you're going there and you know, all the, you know, insides and outs, like, like you talked about there, Elliot. So I think, you know, if you're looking at camps on the internet, make sure you really understand the coach's philosophy, as well as what the intention of that actual camp is, because could be, you know, I hosted everything from those indoor camps that were more educational, high intensity, and just, you know, it was over three days. So very, very different structure, very different intention, very different, you know, impact on the whole year compared to the Tucson camp that's a week long, and it's very specifically put out there, you know, that it's a very high volume camp for experienced athletes. So, um, you know, I think, but yeah, you yeah. can also, you can, you can take control of your camp. There's very few camps where like your Epic camp is very specific. Everyone there is a professional athlete, but for the most part, you know, you go, you, even if you go to a, in a big intense camp somewhere in North America, even if there's a handful of pros, there's still people who are not professionals and you're almost always going to be able to alter the workout to what your needs are. 
Yeah. And so the biggest thing is going into the camp with your expectations outlined and kind of what you expect of yourself. And then recognizing if you're going to go ride Mount Lemon and everyone there climbs better than you, maybe don't try to ride their wheel for three miles and then suffer the rest of the way. Maybe just start, you know, maybe you start early or maybe you just start and you let them go and you say, Hey, you guys have fun, save a cookie for me at the top. Um, and, and just recognizing you have to, you have to do the camp at your own pace one one cool thing i i saw and when working with the camp is is the coach didn't know the athletes ahead of time and didn't know where they were at in fitness or what they were doing next as far as racing so at the beginning of the camp he spent a few minutes talking to each athlete and really molding the camp to that to to their specific needs i mean within the framework of the camp but just kind of like Elliot was saying, like a few tweaks and you can change that and say, okay, well, this ride, I want you to ride parts of it, say at like specific Watts. And then all of a sudden it goes from just a base ride to a ride where you're working hard and, and thinking about a specific race. And then the athlete that had a race coming up, you know, had a, a brick run that was kind of intense, whereas the other athletes were just doing some easy miles and a few tweaks and, and the athletes were going from kind of a base camp to more race specific camp. And then they maybe took a little more rest on some of the skipped a few sessions because they did have that race coming up. And so that, that, that coach helped the athletes tweak the camp based on their, their situation, um, which was cool. It's another way to kind of say, okay, like how do you get the most out of that specific camp coming from different places? Um, I definitely do that. Even just with my athletes at my camp, like not everybody has the same, the same, week when we when we do the tucson camp i've had plenty of athletes where i say like you're going to sit this session out don't feel bad about that just don't you know you don't need to tell anyone just don't show up and i know and they know um or you know everybody's going to be going at this intensity but i want you to move to this group and just sit in or you know we're going to move up a lane or down a lane in the pool so certainly um you know or someone you know some of the older athletes that might come i'll say you know you're you're going to miss this session this afternoon go have a nap you know, and we, we don't announce it to the whole group or anything like that. Everyone might just be like, oh, where's so-and-so? Or they might not, even, honestly, people might not even notice. They're just so tired and in their own head. But, um, you know, definitely tweaking it based on different athletes. And you can even take, you know, someone who's a little stronger and needs a little bit more out of it. You might put them in, like I've, I've used those athletes, put them in a captain role. Say you're going to, you know, you're going to be the one that's pulling or you're going to be doing, you know, the stronger part of the work and, and someone else I would say like, don't ever go to the front of the group. You're just going to sit in your whole job is to just sit in today. And, and, you know, that kind of thing. So you can definitely tweak the camp around the groups and the week um, based on each person's needs. That's for sure. And if you're an athlete, you can do that yourself too, right? You can say, okay, this is what I need to get out of the camp. So I'm going to change these things based on where I'm at and what I need. Uh, I agree with you guys all. Do you guys mind if we go through a few things? Like what are the easiest things to get out of a big camp? Um, like we were talking about new horizons, new experiences, changing your perspective. So like uh, riding the furthest you ever have in your life, especially if you're new to half Ironman or Ironman, if that's a 60 mile ride, et cetera, like most vertical, you know, riding every day, if you're used to only riding three times a week. Um, you know, the a hundred, not that you should do a hundred hundreds in the pool, but like something like that, you know, a lot of times for someone newer, maybe it's a hundred fifties. Um, what are some things like that, that stand out to you that really can help change someone's perspective on what they're capable of that you can do at a camp? 
I mean, I think you made made a really good list there. I think, you know, to add to that list, um, most importantly, I think for most athletes going to camp, it's about training every day and backing it up every day. You know, a lot of athletes don't get that experience in their day-to-day life. And then, and then the other thing I notice to add to that list that most athletes get out is being suddenly surrounded by other like-minded athletes at the same level as them, or maybe even a level above them. So say you're, for lack of better terms, a big fish in a small pond in your community. You're, you're the top honcho. You don't really get exposed to a lot of people that think the same as you, or maybe you train alone all the time at, at home. Um, and you're just not in that kind of environment very often. And suddenly you're surrounded by 20 people that are better than you and you get a new perspective of what's possible, or maybe you get a new perspective of where you need to lift your effort to. Um, I think that that's, that's been a pretty cool thing for people to suddenly see what they can do. Um, and, and yeah, just the training every day, you know, most people, they have interruptions with family or work, or they have a schedule, you know, a schedule that ends up putting roadblocks in that kind of thing and getting that experience of, okay, this is what it feels like to do this every single day for, you know, three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, that kind of thing. For that new frequency of, mm-hmm. for all the sports really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You guys did a really good job. I don't know much I can add on top of that, but I will say that seeing like seeing those people day to day and kind of learning new tips and tricks to how people can accomplish those things. Uh, even I, like from helping camps, have picked up on some things that athletes are doing that I didn't think about to kind of, you know, get through different training sessions. And so it's, you, you can always learn, especially from what, what other people are doing. And one of the, one of the things I see a lot of athletes take away is, is nutrition things. Um, basically watching how much food I consume and they're, they're like, you know, how are you eating all that? You're only five, six, but, um, by seeing how much you actually have to eat and like eating on the bike and eating on the run and all that stuff, I think people can pick up a lot of nutrition nuances from seeing what other people do and talking about that while you're at camp. And, and the other thing I think people can get out of that or see is, is if you get to work with a coach at the camp and you have access to that coach kind of 24 seven throughout the camp, then you can, you know, you can ask those questions that maybe you don't get a chance to ask or see, you know, get some feedback on things that you don't often get feedback on because you don't have a coach there all the time. So hopefully if you're an athlete's going to a camp, there's a coach there that they can work with and, and get advice in those situations where they might not be able to get that advice kind of day to day. Yeah. Like watching just how much some, the higher level athletes can eat while training is often you need to see it to believe it, right? You don't, you don't understand, oh, you're going to be training five hours a day every day. Well, guess what? You're going to be eating while you swim, bike and run. And it's just part of the day. Um, and then you start finding out that there's candy and peanut butter hidden all over the place and people are always eating it. But, um, that was the first thing that came to my mind, Jesse, it was just like seeing you just like grab a spoonful of peanut butter. I was like, what? He's always got this spoon with him. It's like in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's one of those things you have to see it to believe it. And so like for the long ride, if your longest ride is 80 miles and then you go out and ride 110, it totally changes your perspective on what a 70 mile ride is. You know, you've literally ridden, you know, at that point, a 40 mile ride is probably pretty long for you. So you've done your longest ride plus another 40 
I think I just messed up my math, but you get the idea <laughs> is, um, yeah, 30. But anyways, it just changes your perspective on how much further you can go. And then the other thing, when you, when Marilyn was saying, when you're with some faster people in you get into a group or a pace, whether this, this can be swimming, biking, or running, right? If you have people in the lane next to you, or you're in a pace line on the bike ride, you just get that feel of what a faster pace is without that, like, you pushing yourself, you don't have any emotional excess energy going out. You're just following. And sometimes following people at a pretty high pace is the, is the best way to realize what's capable of. You're literally watching other human beings do that pace. And often they're only a percent or two better than you. And you can just kind of tag along and sure, maybe eventually you blow up. Um, but it really changes your perspective on what you can do and maybe, and maybe how long you can do that pace for. Yeah, the other the other thing that I've noticed with a lot of athletes that they they gain out of like you know maybe um, physically their gains aren't as much when they go to a camp, but the the biggest improvement I notice on athletes that that take on these camps, you know, in endurance sport, learning that ability to cope with fatigue and that sort of emotional understanding of how to, to move through that and understand what to do when those things come up, whether it be conditions, conditions of the road, the wind, the sun, um, just, you know, putting yourself through something that you haven't been through before the emotional gro growth for what it takes to be an endurance athlete is enormous for people who go to camps. And I've actually had professional athletes come to my camp to work just for that growth. I knew physically it wasn't going to be that challenging for them. You know, they're, they're probably have done that kind of training before they'll get a little fitness boost, but not a lot, but their emotional and mental growth and, and being able to handle fatigue and, and just keep backing it up every day and have that sort of that control over themselves. It was huge. And they're like a different person afterwards. And they, they go about their races much better because they have a better understanding of, of what that takes and when they encounter those things and and those moments when maybe they you know aren't they feel like I can't handle this now they've learned a skill throughout a week and being around other people that now okay I, I can handle this and I know how I'm supposed to act and how I'm supposed to get my mind in the right place to continue forward which is honestly in in our long races is you know, a huge part of the battle of being successful. So I, I think there's a lot of value in that when you, when you go to camps. Yeah. It's easiest to learn that while watching other people and having people there to push you. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's possible to do it on your own, but it's a lot bigger hurdle to, to handle. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I think that was, that was great. That was a great list of uh, benefits we kind of ran through. I, I think the the only other th I think we've covered a lot of things about camp. Um, I have I'm curious what you guys think about this because Maryland it sounds like Epic Camp was often not fun, um, but winning is fun, right? So, where's your stance on um, the have fun aspect of it? Because for me, like you're doing your longest ride, your biggest climb, you know, you're with a group. It's often pretty fun, right? And you you're already doing this sport, and whether it's you know, normal fun or type two fun. Um, I think that's something I like to keep in mind for most people. If it's your job, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be fun, but most people listening to this are not full-time professional triathletes and most professional triathletes don't get all their income from triathlon. So like, let's be honest, like you probably want it to be fun. 
um, unless you're a handful of people. So what's, what's your guys' thoughts on that? I, I think a lot of it should be fun for sure. I think that there should also be a fair, uh, some of it that's only type two fun. <laughs> I, I mean, I think if you, if you want to push yourself to those limits, you know, and go kind of stretch yourself, there, there needs to be some moments that are not at all fun in that moment. But that's, uh, you know, that's how you get that fatigue and learn how to fight through it. And that's how you kind of get over these, these hurdles is you've got to put yourself in that situation where it's maybe no longer, um, you know, all sunshine fun, and rainbows. Fun yeah. Fun yeah. I will say, I mean, I, I actually did have a lot of fun at Epic camp. I mean, we had, it. to me, it was, it was fun every day and um, I might've been legitimately suffering the whole time but honestly the company i was around was such a good crowd and i enjoyed training with them and we always had like a good you know one of my favorite sayings has always been pack your sense of humor in your back pocket you know when you go and take on these big things because at some point you're gonna get to a point where you want to crack or you know <laughs> lose it or something like that and it's it's if you're around good people, they're going to make you laugh. They're going to make you see the perspective. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're out there doing something you love with some great people. And it's good to, you know, uh, say things to yourself, like, don't take yourself too seriously. None of us get out, of, get out, get out alive. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, so it's good to, you know, yeah, I mean, attitude is everything. And I think when I was talking about the mental perspective of it is that's the emotional growth I'm talking about is, you know, you learn to handle these things and continue to have fun anyways. And you know, Hey, I can work. I'm going to get past this point and have fun. And I'm around good people. And we have a laugh afterwards. I mean, our happy hour at our camps is probably, you know, the most active part of our whole camp. And uh, we certainly, you know, have fun and, you know, have good laughs and jokes. And, and um, so that's um, yeah, I think it's a huge part of it. It's, it's gotta be fun. And, and that's why, that's why you go. Uh, the biggest thing a lot of my early camps were with Matt Seeley, who's kind of Northwest Montana legend of triathlon. Um, <clears throat> and multiple times I'd be out on a ride and it'd be like day seven of seven. And we're, we're seven days in a row of a hundred mile rides. And he'd sit there and be like, well, Elliot, we may be going up this three mile Hill and we may have 80 miles left to go, but at least it's hailing on us you know, cause we're like sitting there actually getting hailed on. And it's like, this is kind of shitty in the moment, you know, like in the moment and you're like, well, okay, the hail's only going to last for so long. And but like, he is right. We're in the middle of nowhere and we're 80 miles from the end of our ride. And we've already ridden 650 miles this week, you know, and you're just sitting there, but he's the only other person who's ridden those miles with you. Right. And it just totally changes your perspective on, on what's possible. And like, just making light of that moment. Cause you know, it's going to pass. And if it, if it really does get bad and a couple of times, you know, sure we had to hide under trees, et cetera. But like, those are the stories that are kind of like make the whole sport of triathlon fun for me. Um, they're ridiculous. Like we weren't trying to find them, but if you spend enough time doing cool stuff in the outdoors, you're going to end up in a sticky situation from now on. And, and as long as you're smart in the moment, you can make yourself safe. It's, it's a fun way to live life. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, if people are looking to set up their own camps, obviously, you know, with the, with the COVID stuff, it's a little bit of a tricky time to even be having these conversations because we're talking about traveling, we're talking about groups, all of these things. So these are obviously things of, you know, in the future or experiences that we can share from our past. And, and hopefully these are all fun, great memories and experiences that we're going to be able to get back to at some point in the next, you know, coming months or 
year or something like that. But right now, if people are looking at setting up their own camp, say, okay, well, it's COVID. We don't want to miss out on these great experiences or these abilities to push ourselves. So you could set up your own camp. Take a look through, you know, some schedules that are out there or your own training and say, I'm going to set aside, you know, five days or 10 days, take that time off work. I'm going to set up a focus camp. If you need help of, you know, how do I set this up successfully so that I don't injure myself and I get the most out of it? Again, we always encourage you to, you know, ask us questions. You know, when we post these podcasts, send us notes. If you're like, hey, I'm thinking about this. I have athletes do that all the time. They're like, hey, I'm going to do this point to point staycation. These are the miles I'm looking at. This is the structure I'm looking at. How does it, you know, will this benefit me? And I can, you know, point them in the right direction of, of any kind of pitfalls or that kind of thing. So you can definitely you don't have to miss out on these experiences or these opportunities to push yourself um, through this time. You can set it up at home. And, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, the main points are do something new, set yourself up for something that is at a new level, um, make it a focused period of time that, that you have no other direction, distractions or anything like that. And um, make sure it's set up in a way that you're not going to get injured and you can recover from it within a decent amount of time. And, um, you know, maybe if it's possible, get a couple buddies together. If not, then, you know, set that up so that you enjoy it and maybe experience something new for yourself. Awesome. I thought that was a, that was a pretty good summary. Um, so yeah, hopefully people get a chance to do something where they can potentially ride their bike a lot this spring and set themselves up for success as uh, the races start happening later on in the year. Um, Thank you guys for spending the morning with me. It was fun. Thank yeah. you. Fun stuff. All right. Well, yeah. And if people do have any questions on how to set up their camp or anything, feel free to reach out to any of us. And we'll talk to you guys all next time. Cheers. Bye, guys. Cheers.